Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, and I'm so pleased you're here. As an education business owner myself and a former teacher, I understand the nuances that only apply to us. So in this podcast, I share fluff-free, tailored and actionable ideas that you can mould to suit your needs. If you'd like to take this conversation further, please do reach out. I would love to meet you. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review. That way, you'll be helping me help more people. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Richard Cowell to my podcast. He's a qualified teacher who has had experience working across a few different sectors, ranging from social services to community development. And over the last five years, he's really grown his tuition business. Like me, he also supports teachers and tutors to grow and scale their businesses. And around two years ago, he started his Facebook group, which is where I met him. He runs courses and workshops, and he also hosts his own podcast. And his hope is to inspire others to create the life that they deserve. It's a real delight to have him on this podcast and I invited him, as you'll learn, because I really like his approach and his ethos. So in this episode, keep listening. If you would like some tips on launching your tutoring business, whether you're at the starting phase or even if you're quite established but you're struggling, I think there'll be a lot of useful tips for you. I hope you enjoy. So welcome, Richard. It's lovely to have you on the podcast Um, I know a lot of my listeners already know you, but for those who don't, I'll hand over to you for a little intro. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really great. This is my first time appearing on somebody else's podcast, which is pretty cool. Yeah, Richard, I started the Grow Your Tutoring Business Group, I think it was about two and a half years ago, but also run a tuition business as well. That's sort of just grown quite a lot over the last five or six years since I've been running it. Nice. And actually... um, I, I mean, some people who know what we both offer might be a bit like, this is a bit weird. Why Samantha invited <laughs> Richard? Technically, they're competitors. But the reason I did invite Richard is because I really admire your inclusive approach. You know, you have let me into your group with no questions asked. And I think that takes, you know, well, actually, I think it's just credit to your personality. And so I just thought I would love to have you. On my Richard. podcast, you're laughing there. Is that because I yeah. gave you a compliment? <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for the compliment. I'm, I'm getting better at trying to accept that kind of stuff. I think that um, what it's it's a weird it's a weird world, isn't it? And yeah. like if it if you know what we both do, if you're listening, and you kind of know what our approaches are like. You'll see that there will always be alignment between these things because we want yeah. the same we want the same things for people. We have the same passion and the same drive. And when you're in a world where like there's a Facebook group and it is a bit weird, isn't it? Like being in somebody else's Facebook group. But from my perspective, and this is something which I've learned over the last couple of years, is that the more experts inside the group, the more valuable the group is. Right? That's it. So if someone asks a question and you answer it, not only do you get your name in there as well, because there's a promotion of yourself, but adds value into the whole space. And at the heart of everything, what do we both want? We want tutors to grow their business. So we want teachers to be able to see that there's a route out of teaching. There's another way of living your life. And 
you're more than welcome. <laughs> thank you. you know. No, thank you. And I'm, it's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. Mm. But um, but no, I do want to make a point of uh, of your approach because I think you're unusual. I think it takes a huge amount of security, unusual in a good way, not in a weird way. But I think that it takes a huge amount of security. And, you know, let's face it, you know, a lot of people in our world are very, very competitive and they would never say yes to that. I'm really looking forward to this podcast episode. Me too. too. So the topic really is launching your tutoring business, just Mm. because that's the commonality we both have. But a lot of these principles will apply kind of regardless of your business, even if you're an education business outside of tutoring. And what we've decided to do is we're going to talk around the actual start, because that's where people struggle. So they're like, where do I start? Whether it's logistically, marketing, and then in Richard's wonderful Facebook group, we we invited a few members to ask some questions. So we're going to just pick a couple of questions and answer those. So, Richard, in Mm. in my experience, people who are launching their tuition business, they do struggle with two areas, logistics, you know, what do I need in my T's and C's and whatever else, Um, and also with marketing and visibility, because there are Mm. so many options, so much advice flying their way. So I'd love to know that in your opinion, what do you think people should prioritize? And what we'll do is we'll divide it into two. So let's start with logistics, and then we can talk about marketing. So logistics, if we're talking terms and conditions and that kind of thing that sits behind the business, I mean, I'll be really honest, like when I started, I didn't have anything. Uh, did you, Did you when you started your tuition business? No, what, I didn't. What, I didn't what? even, well, I had some basic terms and conditions purely because, so my very first business was when I was 22. I'm 41 now. And it technically is still running. Pardon? Great age. I'm 40. Is it? I don't know. When I turned 40, I suddenly needed reading glasses, which really upset me, <laughs> which, as you can see, I'm not wearing because I'm still in denial. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Sorry. <laughs> we digress. But um, with my first business, so it was a hair and makeup business. Um, it's a long story, but I'm a qualified hairdresser, makeup artist. I did it after graduating. And um, I remember going to my first wedding and it was in one of those Heathrow Airport hotels I didn't charge very much because, you know, it was my first client and all the rest of it. And then I ended up spending everything I earned and more on my parking. I was like, oh, Oh, okay. So what do I do? You know, I was 22. Facebook had just been invented. And um, yeah, there was no guidance out there. And that's where terms and conditions started coming into my head. So because this wasn't my first business, I had basic terms and conditions. Mm. But quite honestly, I hadn't, and this is so naive, I hadn't really thought about what do I do if someone cancels at the last minute? Because I just thought, well, what can I do if they cancel at the last minute? And it was only when I started wearing my business hat on, which is you and I just had a chat about that, didn't we? Mm. When I put my business hat on, that's when I realized, actually, no, this is my livelihood now. Mm. This isn't pocket money that I'm just doing on the side of a full-time job. I, I, I think as well, like you having that experience earlier on probably helped you out even with the basic stuff with term, with your T's and C's, terms and conditions or terms of service, whatever you want to call them. I think that they're, they're, you need to have an idea of like what you're saying there about costs. Like, so logistically, what is it going to mean for you to run your business? So we could go down the route of business models, which I think is a little bit more advanced. Let's just say you're a teacher and you are just starting out with a friend's child or maybe it's a teacher's friend you know you're just doing it as a bit of side hustle 
you probably don't need anything there. You, you should, but the likelihood is you're just going to go to their house or they're going to come to your classroom after school and you're going to do 45 minutes to an hour and they're going to give you cash, right? That's 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 at the basics. When, when we start flipping it around into, let's put a business hat on, we're going to make this our livelihood, our full-time income. That's when we start looking at running a few numbers around in our head. Like, so we know exactly where we're starting with, what's our target. And I want to put something in here. Like we often go, we're going to replace our teacher income. And I use this in my, in, in my own kind of messaging. Actually, we want to replace our own, our teacher's salary. Actually, we, we, we might not have to. That's what there's I say e- as well. Yeah. Because there's an element of freedom of when you're self-employed, an element of freedom with the money, like you can invest money back into your business rather than having to pay the tax at the end of the month or at the end of the year. So when you can, it's almost, I mean, lots of people consider business like playing a game. So I might say that a little bit, but it's like you play the game, you play your business game. And so when you come to the point where your business, because you can get cash risk quite quickly in tutoring, yeah, like your bank account will grow, but obviously you're not paying tax yet because and sometimes people don't pay tax for almost two years because of when they start their business to so save for that. But you can start reinvesting some of that cash in other things. So rather than paying two and a half thousand pound at the end of the year for your tax you can invest that money back into your business and that's the kind of freedom that can give you so logistically look at your numbers properly like it's not just a case of well i'm on i'm on um upper pay scale three so i need to get to three grand a month otherwise i can't do it it's not likely to be like that it's something there's a different number that you're searching for we you do want to get to 3k a month and you do want to sit like surpass what you was earning before and that will happen but run the numbers properly so you know where you're at because that will help out with your logistics because it will help out with how you build your timetable it will also help with a little bit of your pricing as you can do a pricing strategy because you won't be spending all your profit on parking right <laughs> yeah you know you you factor everything in um but in terms of t- t's and c's that just start as basic as possible i mean you just said it samantha right so what do you do if someone cancels you know, think about what what's going to be your policy or what, what are you going to expect? What are they going to expect from you if you cancel? And at the beginning, it's unlikely that you're going to have anything in place to replace that with anything else. But once you're developed, you might end up being able to say, well, I've got these pre-recorded sessions you can have instead. We're not doing cancellations. Or you set it up as if you're a dance school and you just pay your, ter- you pay your termly fees. And if they don't turn up, you know, it's okay for the dance school. It should be okay for you as well. So there's yeah. like mindset things in there as well. By the way, I didn't do any of this stuff for ages. Neither did I. I'm sitting here at the, like, going into my sixth year going, actually, this is okay now. But my first year was nothing like that. Working with four children on a Sunday, there was times when people didn't show. I, I was turning up because I was in my car, but they weren't home. And I'd driven 40 minutes. Gosh. And I'm going home thinking, well, I've got another hour and a half until the next one driving there waiting you know complete waste of time sometimes so yeah no i didn't have any of that stuff in place i think starting out we can overthink it but at the same time just do the real basic thing of run some numbers get some an idea about what would be okay for a refund like if it's a 48 hours notice period because it's unlike i mean a lot of see a lot of times shooters go oh, i need like a a week's notice, but a week's notice or whether it's 40 hours notice, it's still, are you going to sell the hour to somebody else? It's so unlikely. So regardless of when they're cancelling with you, it's unlikely to have anybody else come into that seat if it's one, especially if it's one-to-one. And I think beyond that, that's as far as I would go. If it was brand new and I didn't have any clients, I would just think about my bottom line. What would it really mean 
for me, if I could walk away from school, what's the number? Or at least take a, a day off. So I've, I've supported people. It's like, look, I don't want to walk away from teaching completely. I just want to go part time. And so you run some numbers and you go, well, what about if we get this amount of students in? That means you could go down to three days a week. Yeah. And they, most of the time people can't believe it. They're like, oh, I only have to do like four hours and I can have two days off. And it's like, yeah, of course you can. We'll set it up in this particular way. It'd be fine. And so logistically, I mean, there might be other things to think about, but that's where I would start. I would start really as basic as I could to make sure, because the main thing is, can we get money? How are we going to take money? I agree. I think something you said key is not to overthink it because, mm. well, there's a, there's a there's a context here, isn't there? Because it does depend on your situation mm. as to how much you might need to earn or what position you're in or can you afford a cancellation or are your bills going to be reliant? Everyone has different approaches. Mm. Some people have different risk profiles. But I think a key thing you said was don't overthink it mm. because I do meet people who are still at the stage where they are not earning money, but they have spent ages on creating a website, a logo, they are setting up their invoicing and and all you know and they all this automation now all of that is fantastic you're future proofing your business and that's great but i think your priority should be start to get your name out there and start making money because as you said you can then reinvest then you can afford some automation then instead of spending your time you can spend your money on getting a website made a website and having a logo is not going to get you clients not on its own. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think keep it lean and just start off with what is my fastest way to actually get this started? Because a mm. business doesn't exist without clients. So you may have a website and all the rest of it. You still don't really have a business because no one's paying you yet. You haven't proven it yet. Like you, no. you often say, like prove the concept. And we don't exactly. need to prove the concept of tuition. You're just proving the concept that your services is needed and that's it. And once you've proven it with... Yeah. Well, if you found two people, you're going to find four. And if you find four, you can easily get to eight. You can just keep doubling it up as long as the timetable can can cope with it. And that that's that's the truth. If you if you're stuck there with with and you you're an established tutor, but you're still struggling, usually it's like let's go back down the line and go what what is it that I'm selling? What's the service about? What's the package look like? When you're starting out, you you haven't got that data yet. You have to just go. It's it's like failing fast, isn't it? Fail as fast as you can to get to the right the right path. Yeah. And I think, you know, some people, they do feel a bit uneasy, like they don't want to build the plane while it's flying. And so they mm. want things like their T's and C's and everything in place before they say yes to your first student. And I get that. So what you can do in that situation, I think, is that's fine. Do what you feel safe with, mm. but start still securing students and give yourself a deadline. So, yes, mm. I can take, you know, I can teach your um, your child but we will start lessons on the whatever of October. And that gives you a couple of weeks to just get your T's and C's sorted, to get your payment processes sorted. Um, you know, I do I do think what's quite important is that I think when you and I started our tuition businesses, what, five, six years ago, I think we we're on the same kind of timeline. The landscape was very different. Mm. I think post-COVID, things have changed, especially because so many people are online and I think one thing to consider that we perhaps didn't have to is that people are very seasoned consumers. And so they do get an impression from that first experience with us. So if someone's a new business, something I would recommend is have a really clean onboarding process. Mm. So it can be as simple as you send them a Stripe link or your bank details 
and they know your Zoom link or the address they need to come to or whatever, whatever it is, however you teach. I personally do it through a welcome pack so that it's all in one place. I think just think about that clean onboarding process so that from day one, people feel really confident to work with you. I, I remember booking someone, um, it was for my business, and she was going back and forth and back and forth instead of using something like Calendly. Again, that's fine. A lot of people don't like Calendly and apps like that. But it was a bit annoying because, you know, I was just like, hey, there's a simple solution to this to make it faster. But then she sent me a link to pay. So I paid and then I heard nothing. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a receipt. I didn't get any kind of confirmation that she'd received my payment. And I suddenly felt really insecure. Mm -hmm. And then I was questioning, have I done the right thing? Is this person going to be any good? And I walked into our meeting with that mindset. So I do think that first impression is quite important. And you can achieve that without spending very much money or any money, but just having mm. a couple of things in place. Mm. I think that's like cl just clarity, isn't it? But that's security and clarity. Like this is, I'm going to do this. That thing's going to land. People know exactly where they are. We're onto the next page already. Like it's almost like a, a maybe like desensitized to stuff like that because that, that happens. Although like a bit of a, a story with this, like I moved to a website from, I used active campaign for mm. email lists and so, and I'm good at that now, like, cause I've been doing it for a number of years, all the triggers work. So when someone bought something, it would trigger and automate. We're moving to a WordPress website this year. Couldn't get the triggers to work. Yeah. And it was really, and, and then sold some things could, and exactly what you're saying happened and what the, the fallout of it, the other side was having to go back in and do, do things manually. So mm -hmm. taking up a lot of time, cause I still needed to get this thing out there. And, um, but it caused a lot of insecurity because I was getting messages saying I didn't get a receipt. Yeah. I didn't get a confirmation. Yeah. I haven't had your confirmation email. And I'm like, hold on, let me go and check. And even though I thought the trigger yeah. had sorted, it hadn't. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like where we can possibly, we we make people feel as secure as they possibly can yeah. be when they're hiring someone for their child or their, or their young adult who needs support because yeah. they're already feeling a bit insecure anyway. That's why they're finding you as a tutor. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm. you know, from a sales and a business point of view, there are different touch points. And one of the touch points where people hesitate is at the checkout cart. Yeah. That is, you know, whether it's a kind of, you know, bank link or whatever, I'm just going to call it a checkout cart. But it's at that point that people are like, oh, shall I go for it? Shall I not? Mm. And that's exactly where they need that reassurance and they need it yeah. fast. Mm. So I think that if you don't have very much in place, I think that's absolutely fine but maybe just have a couple of things like that in place. Mm. Um, it's not hard to set up. It doesn't take time and it doesn't have to take money. Mm. I'd like to move on to marketing and visibility. Yeah. As we know that, you know, some of the most common questions is what do I, you know, where do I start with social media? I mean, everyone's go-to is social media um, or, Oh, I've got a Facebook page. Now, what do I do? I've set mm. it up now. What do I do? So, when it comes to marketing in general, I'm not going to ask about social media specifically okay. because obviously there are lots of options. What do you think people should start by doing to gain momentum? I, th I think, first of all, we need to break down marketing into its parts because marketing's way more than ads, right? So marketing's like your research, it's development of your or whatever your service you're doing, it's your pricing, There's then it's your pr advertising and sales that leads to your branding. There's like a lot to it. So making it is everything should be, what do I need to focus on to bring in money? Every, that's your first question, right? You should be asking yourself when you're, when you're new. 
So you might already know what you're going to offer, right? So you would probably got that down because if you're a primary school teacher, your experience will be, might be across all key stages, but there might be something that you really love teaching. So that becomes your offer. You need to think about your offer. How are you going to get it out there? How are you going to get eyeballs on it? So this is all about it's all about how you advertise and get word out that you're doing what you're what you're about to do. I actually believe that the first clients that most of us get, you don't get through social media. I don't think that it could be, but I think that might be the exception. When you set up your Facebook page, or not not purely through Facebook, I should say. So for example, you set up your Facebook page, you've linked it to your personal profile, which is all different now. It's all changed over the last couple of years. Mm. So your Facebook page now looks and acts like a profile, even though it still doesn't really give you the same kind of reach what you should be doing is sharing things through your personal profile which provides another problem by the way for some people which is fine because there are still ways around it but most of the time the person who we know is going to hire us next is inside our phone already someone we already know so the, the this is where i would start i'd go through my contacts list on my phone I and I send a message, send a message out. And there will be, and it's because some people say, oh, I don't have many contacts. That's fine. All you're going to do is choose one. Start with just one. Look, and it's simple as I am going to be tutoring whatever it is that you're doing. Is this something you would be interested in? Or do you know someone who might be? That's where you start. Now, most of us, I don't know how many contacts I've got in my phone. It's like, it does that Google thing from like when I started doing it eight or nine years ago. There's people who I haven't spoken to for years. But I know I've got a lot of contacts. And I know that at least one of them will have something to say or know someone. And then you just, then you go to Facebook and they might be on your, in your friends list. Great. You use your personal profile and you might even send them a private message, but then you link it back to your profile, like on your profile is where you're going to start. And then you take them on a journey from your profile to your Facebook page where you have this amazing, wonderful, because what you're going to get used to doing videos right soon as well. Could do some video content. You're going to have a welcome video that's pinned at the top that just, gets people to see you and hear you for the first time and that captures them and you're going to ask them you might do what we call a call to action which is like and follow the page because that means you can stay up to date and once they're in your world and i have simplified this massively but once they are in your world you can start looking after them you can start giving little pieces of value away that will mean they can stick in your in your kind of tuition world where they can get to know you a little bit and decide whether you're the right person from for them but essentially you're going to reach out to the people who already know you yeah. because we don't buy from people. We don't know. I, I cannot think of somebody and I've invested quite a lot of money on, on personal development over the last three years. I've got to know all of them before I parted with cash. It's not been like, Oh yeah, here's a Facebook page, right? Here's my money. It's been a, right. Here's a place to make a connection. Usually some sort of social media whether that is TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, wherever they're the main three that I would prob probably engage with. And then usually some sort of an event like a challenge or a, a webinar or a Q&A where I go, actually, this is someone I could work with. Actually, that value they're providing for that is amazing. Yes, please sign me up. And we go through these routines when we buy. Well, that's that's an important thing there because you said about how we don't buy from people we don't know. And I think some people... Um, interpret that as oh right so I need to speak to everyone yeah. when we when we talk about no, you know this whole kind of no like and trust factor 
you can do it without speaking to people. It's about what you're putting out there. And also you don't have to talk about, you know, your personal life and whatever. It's just showing who you are in the context of how someone's going to work with you. Mm. You know, we're expecting parents to trust us with their children. Mm. That's a pretty big deal. They do need to know us. They don't need to know whether you've got a dog or a cat or how many children you've got or whatever, whatever. Mm. But they do need to know enough about you to know that you are going to be a good fit for their child because, you know, it's a it takes a huge amount of trust. Um, one of the things you mentioned, which I quite liked, is one of the parts of marketing is pricing. And I just want to highlight that, really, because I think a lot of new tutors, and I did this when I was a brand new business, is they use pricing as a means to get clients. So they're, you know, the logical, instinctive thought process is, well, I'm new, so surely I should go in cheap because mm. I'm not as experienced. And, you know, people then see the cheap. The thing we have to remember always is that pricing is a communication tool. Mm. So pr- your your numbers actually speak. So mm. there's that's the exact reason why there are designer handbags and non-designer handbags. The money talks. It creates exclusivity or it creates accessibility whatever it is you want to go for. And I think price, and I think that's why people struggle with pricing because it's very common for people to say, well, how much do you think I should charge? And it's like, well, how long is a piece of string? Because so many factors, exactly. It's very nuanced, so many factors. And I like what you said about the leads. And I want to touch on that. I want to emphasize what you said, that social media is fantastic. In my opinion, my business, both of my businesses have been built on social media. Um, But there are so many other ways to get those leads. And and a lead is just someone who is potentially coming into your business and your phone is a great place, but you might be part of groups. You might be part of, you know, you might take, if you're a a parent, you might take your child to a parent group or whatever, parent child group. The, The key thing here though, is ask for the sale. So a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I just want to shyly mention I've got this tuition business or whatever business you've got. I won't remind them again because I've already told them. Mm. Remind them. People are busy and ask for the actual sale. Say, Mm. please do pass my details around if you know anyone who's interested. Please do recommend me and keep reminding them Mm. instead of expecting them to just because you told them you have a tuition business. Mm. Yeah, I think the follow up. And the follow-up and the follow-up, right? That's that's so key. And th- this was new to me, right? So this was something which I, what you've just described there, the whole like being shy about it for the first two years, that was it. Like, unless someone really approached me, I wasn't really putting myself out there. Yeah. Unless someone had, had gone through word of mouth, and don't, I was doing a little bit on Facebook, but not a lot. So, uh, and I'd be like, right, great. When we're going to book you in, let's look at the timetable. That was the conversation. That was the onboarding process, by the way. That was it. And now... Now it's a lot more, um, I suppose, detailed probably is the wrong word, but there's more to it now. I understand yeah. that this lead, the whole idea of lead is lead time. Like they're, they're in your world, but you have to have them for a little while in there before it would realistically come to a sales conversation. I feel like you, we earn the right to have a sales conversation through the stuff that we put out. And you mentioned touch points earlier. Like, so we have to create, usually there's so many touch points someone needs to kind of have before they would even start to consider. But it's, I feel like the tuition world is, it sets apart from perhaps other services because there will be times when like the average is something like 16 to 30 touch points in a business before you get a sale usually. So now you can go right now, you know, it's that how many touch points are you creating on a weekly basis? How many touch points are you creating over a month? 
However, tutoring can be different because there might be a parent who's just walked out of a parents' evening on in January. Their they their their child's about to do their GCSEs in five months' time. The pain point and the tension is at a point where they are like, well, who do we know? And that they they only need yeah. one touch point. And that's a conversation with you. They still want to know a little bit about you, but it's going to be right. Where's your child at now? Right. Yeah, I can support you. It can be very fast. Course. Yeah, super fast. So it can be different. I think in tuition world. Can However, be. we still need to think about these touch points because there will be, and we want to try and get these children before that tension kicks in because it makes our lives easier. We don't want to be rushing through content making sure we've yeah. covered the whole course content. Yeah. We want these people in in year 10 to make it really easy. Genuinely believe we change children's lives. We change families' lives with the services that we offer, which kind of comes down to the pricing part for me. Because when, and I see this, I see this with other agencies as well, where the, you know they, they charge sort of 50 pound and the tutor gets sort of 20. Like the value there, like it is, it doesn't represent. And then as tutors, we go, or new tutors, like you say, in particular, we're like, oh, do you know what? That's low ball. It's almost like a race to zero with the pricing, you know, who can get there the fastest. But actually, no, the value you're providing is so big and it's and it's actually behavior change. It's life change because they're going to come to you and you're going to change the pathway of their life. If you deliver what you say you can deliver, whether it's a, a young child who is struggling to read, if you can get in front of that and fix that for them between the ages of four and seven so they can access a key stage two curriculum at the right level at the right pace that's life-changing literally life-changing going i'm going back a fair while it's probably 20 years crazy when i say this 20 years ago um i worked for sure start and I, I delivered a project in a local prison, like basically recording dads talking to their, talking to their children, reading them stories. And so before we went in, we had meetings with the prison staff and kind of, of some of the um, prison liaison people and a few of the inmates. And we kind of put together like a wish list of stuff. We went out and bought it all, went in. We had this trunk of musical instruments, the amazing books. None of them can read. None of them could read. And it was that point I was like, oh, all right. Some of them could write and okay, but they could. All, they all had stories to tell and they were really good at storytelling, most of them, because they always have to think on their feet. You know, they're kind of hyper alert like that. But then a couple of them I got to know quite well. And it was like, what's after? It was, a, a, it was a what we call a short-term prison where they go off into, uh, they're there for the last bit of their kind of, um, their sentence, yeah. Yeah. And um, I thought, we don't know. I was like, I don't know, Rich. I don't know what I'm going to do. Not genuinely like saying well you know is it a job and he's like well it's obviously hard to get a job and it goes down that route he said but I can't even write an application form so when we when we say and I look at these children I'm very much about that uh the nurturing approach to I'm a nurture group teacher by trade as well I love the nur nurture approach but SEN those ones and also on those families where you where they need that support if you capture them early you literally can change a life. Their, their pathway changes. So when we start looking at the value, I always remind myself back of those conversations I had with those people in prison. And like, actually what we could be doing here is we're just changing and diverting their life away from one way into another. And if you can find the right clients and, and whether they're clients or ideal clients, you that's that's the power that you hold and and we can go further away from that because that's caught what i would call low level but high level is somebody who should be going to oxford or cambridge 
but they're teetering around their GCSEs at sevens, which is still really high, but they need to get nines to get to the course they want. And then in array levels, they need to get their A stars to get into Cambridge. If you're part of that journey as well, that's also life-changing. Do you see? Yeah. Like, that, that, this yeah, is why we, we love education, right? Yeah, that's we it. do. And I think, you know, what, you, what you're saying essentially is that ideally we we are starting that intervention a bit earlier, that support oh, a bit yeah. earlier. Yeah. And a huge part of that is educating your audience. Yeah. Because people are reactive. I mean, you and I, we get people coming to us when they're in a panic. Whereas maybe if they'd come to us earlier, they wouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. It's human nature to react. And so we do get that and that's fine. And it's, you know, part of our job to navigate that. But if, yeah, if you want people to come to you earlier, you have to educate your market through things like your content and the messaging Mm -hmm. you're putting out there and the advice you give. Now, before we move on to some of the questions, only one last thing I do want to make a point of, I suppose, is to see the difference when it comes to marketing. I think people put visibility and marketing under the same umbrella. So you've got visibility where you're trying to get in front of new eyes. You're trying to grow your authority, if you like, in a, in your field, in your niche. Marketing is where you are doing all that content, perhaps on social media, emails, wherever. Yeah. But you have to remember you're often marketing to exactly the same people. Mm. So, and that that content can disappear depending on. So I think combining both of those strategies, and I've got past podcast episodes about that if you want to have a little scan on that. And The last thing is you mentioned about Facebook, about using your personal profile. I would caveat that a little bit because I think I can relate to a lot of people who feel really private about that. Mm. I think it's this kind of teacher hangover where you're not allowed to connect with anyone and you lock down your profile. Mm. There are ways around that. You know, there are Mm. ways around that. You don't have to go heavy on your personal profile, but it's the concept of visibility that you mentioned somehow get people back to your page if that's the platform you're operating on. Mm Okay, so let's let's get to start a couple of questions. Now, we only picked a couple because we are running a bit low on time. We're going to touch on Veronica Skye's question or comment where she made a point saying that there is a lot of talk, if you like, on you have to have been a teacher to be a great tutor. So when there are graduates becoming tutors or students or non-teachers, non-qualified teachers, um, there's a little bit of a hierarchy a snobbery I don't know what we want to call it what's your opinion on that well I know Veronica really well so uh, I'm going to be slightly biased towards Veronica because I know she's absolutely amazing what she does I I think that sometimes it's um, we hold a mirror up to ourselves with this and so it can sometimes be a question we ask ourselves rather than what we uh, what we also see out there in terms of in in our groups that we're in Um, I some of the best teachers I've known over the course of my life aren't qualified teachers so I don't for me the stigma doesn't exist but I see it out there if you see what I mean yeah, I, do. I think what, once you get going and you prove that you can deliver what you deliver you're fine I mean yeah. even I mean she's a qualified teacher but there's somebody else I know the Je- Gemma Sobe Smith she left she left after her PGCE so she she qualified yeah. and then then left and has created an amazing business around, uh, for, from that um, is she the most experienced teacher? Now she is. But when you pick apart like the experiences that you bring from outside of being a teacher, they are just as valuable. So, yeah, for me, that wouldn't be a deal breaker. But I can understand if you are an agency looking to grow why you would go for teachers, because it's almost like 
almost foolproof, whereas you probably want more proof from someone who isn't a qualified teacher. Well, I think, yeah, I I think perception really does matter, though, and that's something to consider. So I am a qualified teacher. I'm a qualified business trainer. I say Mm. I I make a point of saying those things Mm. because it gives people that extra bit of trust. Mm. It's not because me being a qualified business trainer makes me better than every other unqualified business trainer or me being a qualified teacher makes me better than every English teacher, Mm. teacher out there who's not qualified. So we all put our best foot forward. And so it's about putting your best foot forward. If you're a, I don't know, 16-year-old or 17-year-old student who's just done your GCSEs, you put your best foot forward and say how it's, I've just done it. You know, I can totally relate to young people because I'm a young person myself. That's Mm. what you put forward. Mm. I wouldn't talk about that because I'm not young. (laughs) Or at least not (laughs) as young as a (laughs) 16-year-old. I need reading glasses, which I still haven't got over. So, you know, you just put your best foot forward, whether it's your experience, whether it's your whatever. Mm. And, you know, as with everything, yes, there are going to be people who are going to say things and we operate in that environment. You know, there's an audience for everybody. There absolutely is. There absolutely is. I'm going to move on to Miranda's Miranda Mills um, comment. She says, and I think this is a really good point. And we've already talked about this, really about how when you're starting there's a lot of pressure or a lot of confusion should we say Mm. do I buy this course do I go for this trainer this mentor we've got everyone bam 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 in our faces um do I you know do I get a invoicing system or do I just get bank transfer you know there are so many questions and she makes a really good point which I sort of say a lot I use this phrase is that there is no one size fits all Mm. you can take any route that you want But what you and I were discussing just before we hit the record button was, but how do you decide on what route to take? Now, for anyone who is looking for a business coach, a mentor, a trainer, a course, I have a very unbiased podcast episode, maybe a few episodes back. I can't remember what number it is. And it just guides you through some of the things to consider to help you shortlist. But Richard, I would love to know your opinion on this. Yeah. So I'm when you're starting out and you're launching. I'm very much a case of I think you start as lean as you can. That's always my advice. Like start as lean as you can. If you're looking to invest in a course or a, a mentor or one-to-one sessions and your business isn't making any money yet, I would say there's stuff out there to help you. Like, for example, your podcast, my podcast. There are thousands of business yeah the community the group but there's also thousands of videos out I mean I don't know if anybody's Mm -hmm. heard of YouTube before (laughs) but that's an amazing amount of resources on there for absolutely nothing and look sometimes this isn't about there isn't a magic wand with business so like you say there's no one size fits all for anybody but you could get yourself started with the main principles with with very little invested. Now, if you felt like, because a lot of the time I feel that when, when like the course or whether it's one-to-one, I feel a lot of the time, like the content's almost secondary to the accountability that comes with the investment. And your and so, actions. You know, a lot yeah. of people will take, I do this. I listen to thousands of podcast episodes and YouTube videos and whatever. How much action do I actually take? Probably a fraction of what I hear. You're not invested in it yet, right? So you don't have skin in the game. So, because yeah. I, I, I say this right out loud, where I'm like, "Yeah, don't invest any money yet. You're not making any money. You're not making any money." Once you start getting some capital coming in, then go to the next level. However, I did not do that. Like I scared myself into 
into action. I did do a course which stretched my finances for a few months. And then I did the next one after which stretched my finances for a whole year. But the growth after that point has been incredible. And also yeah. the, the the network of people that you you get to sort of mix with also make, makes a big difference. But it doesn't take long. And I think with tutoring, it doesn't take long to get what we what I would consider cash rich. It doesn't necessarily mean you know you're 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 turning over sort of five K a month. What I mean is every month you can get this turnover coming in. Most of what we then do as a tutor is profit. It doesn't cost a lot or shouldn't cost a lot for you to run your tutoring business. It's not like you've got to create a product, get a prototype, find a factory to build all those. It's your knowledge, like it's your skill and expertise. Well, you don't nowadays even need a premises, you know. You, no, exactly. you might later, that's fine, but we are talking about that start, that starting yeah, point. And, exactly. you know, I think context is extremely important because for mm. some people they need to start lean. But as we were discussing before yeah. this, I, I people pay me and they're still at the idea stage. They're like, I have an idea or I want to leave teaching and I haven't left yet or mm. whatever they're at. And that's mm. because they've saved some money or mm. their partner works and they can afford to invest. So, mm. and but it's a mindset thing. You know, when I left, I could have afforded, when I left teaching, that is, I could have afforded to invest. But because my history was, you got to learn yourself. Because mm. at the time there was, there was, you know, YouTube, business coach, this did not exist. Mm. You had executive coaches and they mm. costed thousands at a 22-year-old just graduated without a job just started a mm. business could not afford that so yeah. I had to work everything out by myself and mm. I inherited that mindset when I set up my tuition business so it took me a while to invest and then I did see that fast-tracked growth mm. I started with automation then I you know hired a coach mm. and now I always pay for something always I'm always paying for multiple things but always some kind of support mm. so I think it depends on your context and you have to do your due diligence because there are loads of us around, you know, yeah. and Richard might be right for you. I might be right for you. Someone else might be right for you. You have to do your due diligence if you do invest. It's one of the things that I, I asked before, uh, particularly not so much the course, although that will come up, but particularly one-to-one support. I'll ask like, what support have you already had? Because if they go, well, I've had this one and this one and this one, I'm like, no, because you're what you're doing is you you think the next solution is this thing and the next solution is that thing. And so sometimes we do this with material objects, which is shiny object syndrome. But we can also do that of courses and coaches. Yeah. Um. Like a, a recently, I um spoke to someone and we was we actually had had agreed to do the one to one sessions, and then the first one to one session, it turned out that she'd purchased a franchise. And I was like, well, look, that actually locks you down. And look, and that's fine. But what you should be doing is going to your franchise yeah. or your support, not me. You're already invested in it. Go and get the support. And so we we, we cancelled it. I thought that's the right thing to do. But it is important that whatever you're doing, if you are investing in, I, even if it's free training right now, if you're starting super lean, invest in it with your time and then take the action. If you're investing in someone, listen to them 100%. And take the action that they're advising you to do or the targets that you've come up with, because I'm sure you're the same as me, like our, our clients would come up with their own solutions. Go and do it. Because if you if you if you do it, you're going to get growth. If you don't, it's going to slow down. Just once you've invested and you've got skin in the game, you're going to find you're going to find what I call proper personal and business growth. Yeah. 
And I mean, it's the whole thing of you have to accept that you have to spend something. That something is either time or it's money. Yeah. And you have to spend something. And if you aren't ready to do that, then you have to rethink how you're approaching Mm -hmm. your business. So you might have a stepping stone before I set up my tuition business. I'll just be self-employed, get some work through agencies. Maybe that's what works for you for now. You know, you don't have to go from zero to kind of a hundred immediately there are stepping stones in between yeah um, thank you so much for your time Richard no, I really, really enjoyed, enjoyed it. speaking to you yeah I'm here it's been it's been amazing thank you so much it was good to chew the fat over stuff like this it, and I hope that whoever listens gets like a ton of value from it yeah I hope so too and I think what's interesting is that you know you and I have had different but similar experiences and I think the biggest takeaway here is that recognize what's working now because what worked when we set up our businesses won't necessarily work now but also what works for you may not work for me and what works for me may not work for you so you know think about what you do before you do do things intentionally don't just sign up to tiktok because someone told you to think about what you want out of tiktok um but thanks so much you've shared so much really enjoyed our conversation and i hope we can do this again definitely sign me up Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas on tailoring your business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.